Welcome to Sozo's Podcast, a student ministry of Victory Family Church located in Cranberry Township, PA. We're glad you're here. We meet every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8.30. Ah, check us out on Instagram at SozoYTH. Hi guys, there we go. <laughs> I am, um, I, I don't know if Pastor Ben speaks down here or your speakers speak down here, but I feel more comfortable down here. Are y'all okay with this? Okay, I am so excited to be here. My name is Angela Madden or Angie Madden. Have any of you heard me speak before? My girls. Okay, awesome. If you haven't, welcome. I'm so glad you're here um, to be a part of it. And um, we'll hop into it. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm here for a purpose, aren't I? So are you. So are you. So much of our life is lived like that in our phone. And we have an audience right in front of us. We have our friend or our family, your church. We live a life that has taken our focus from the one thing that matters and place it in a device. Now, I'm not here to say I'm against devices. Hello, somebody. Thank you, Jesus, we've got them. If I didn't have a device, I wouldn't have made it here from where I came from earlier. I mean, I was on some country road, y'all. So, like, I am thankful for these devices. But how many of you know that scripture says the enemy comes to seek whom he may devour. He lays in wait to see if he is able to find those that he can still kill and destroy. We also have an awesome promise that says nothing, no weapon formed against us will prosper. That's an amazing promise. But you have to know that that promise is for your life and that the enemy of our soul is a very real, more concrete than this floor under your feet in your world. Do you know that? Do you know that you are more of a spiritual being than you are a human being? Do you recognize that you are a spirit having a human experience? Do you know that? Do you believe that? Because our world keeps us up in here, up, up, up in this lofty uh, kind of idea that this is what we're experiencing right now. Me touching Maddie, this, this right here, this is all there is to life. But that is the surface of life. And the enemy of your soul seeks to keep you on the surface. So that the place that God created you to live from is never lived from. He he seeks to steal, kill, and to destroy. To steal your focus. To kill your identity. And to destroy your destiny. But there is good news because there is one who says, yeah, you'll have trouble in this world. But be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. (laughs) 
Paula. Tonight, I want to talk to you about distractions. Distractions came not just in our time, but it came with the disciples. I know so many times when we read our Bibles, we're like, dang, how could they have been that, like, ignorant? You know what I mean? Like, sometimes I'll really be like, Peter, Jesus just told you you were going to deny him three times. How did you not recognize? How did you not realize that's what you were doing in that moment? Until the rooster crowed. Then you're like, oh, dang, I did it. Right? I'm like, Peter, come on. But if your life was on the line, if you just watched Jesus, the one who was healing the sick, delivering and casting out demons, bringing sight to the blind, you just watched them haul him off and you know he's about to be killed, you think he'd be like, oh, yeah, that's my best friend. I'm with him. Take me wherever you're taking him. No. I am sure, I am confident that many of us would say, no, Jesus, not me. Oh, oh but you're, you're on his Insta. Like I saw y'all with pictures, in picture. No, 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 I must have been in the background. That wasn't me. So the disciples went through the same thing we did, and Peter in particular one of my favorite, on whom the, the church is built, the rock, was the back and forth, wishiest, washiest of them all. In John 21, if you have your Bible, I'm going to be flipping a lot, but you can start with me in John 21. And it says, this he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, this is Jesus speaking, follow me. Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this guy? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. The first distraction that comes in our lives that the enemy loves when we get there is the distraction of others. See, here is Peter. Literally, they just came off of watching miracle after miracle with Jesus, knowing that Jesus is like the Messiah and that his death is going to be coming. And Jesus is like, come here, Peter. Let me talk to you. Follow me. I, I want to have a word with you. And in knowing the mightiness of this moment, the power of this moment, Peter sees John following behind like that annoying little sister or brother you might have that wants to go everywhere you want to go. You all love your little siblings, right? I was the little sibling, so I know I wasn't welcomed all the time. Anyways, so Jesus is like, come on. And Peter's walking with Jesus, and he turns and he says, but Jesus, what about him? What about this guy who laid up against your chest and asked who would betray you? That guy who thinks there's something, he just thinks he's too good. He thinks he's closer to you. In fact, he refers to himself as the one Jesus loved. Hello? Jesus, what about this guy? I know he's not as tight as you and I, right? 
Jesus looks at him and he says, what does it matter? What of him? It doesn't concern you. You follow me. In our life, the enemy gets us so focused on what somebody else is gifted in, on what somebody else has the ability to do, on what somebody else was chosen for, on what somebody has and you don't have. He gets you so focused on that that you can't see the gift of God that's inside of you. He gets you so distracted on what others are doing that all of a sudden now you forget, oh, I'm walking with the one. See, Peter was so consumed with the other guy, he forgot who was right beside him. He took his focus off of Jesus and looked at the one. If you live your life distracted in our Instagram, Snapchat world by what someone else is doing, you'll miss the moment that is in front of you right now. Jesus didn't create you to be like John. He created you to be like you. And I know you hear it a million times that it becomes so cliche that you don't let it soak in here. But if you don't realize, young people, that there is an adversary that seeks to distract you from the one thing, from Jesus, then you will get so caught up in someone else's ability, you'll forget your own. Their ability has nothing to do with yours. It literally has nothing to do with yours. As good as Daniel can sing, Ellie's not threatened because she knows she's got a gift of God inside of her. You were created unique. You must stay aware of who you are with and stop looking at others. The second is we get distracted by our own inadequacies and the lies of the enemy. So what happens when you take your eyes and you start looking at others, instantly you start to compare. That's the only reason why you're looking. The only reason why you're getting on your Instagram to see what your friend is doing is because you want to say, oh, how did my day measure up? That's the instant conversation that happens in your mind and in your heart. You understand that, right? You understand as soon as you get on and start that scroll, it goes to an instant moment of comparison. And now, instead of the measure being the goodness of God in your individual life, now the comparison is, what does it look like to be her? And scripture tells me in Genesis, Genesis, it started. The moment that there was comparison with Cain and Abel, what was the result? What happened? Death. Comparison literally kills. And I'm not saying that lightly. It will literally kill you from the inside out. It will destroy and break down the knowingness of the big God inside of you and cause you to cling to something that has no hold on you. It will cause you to believe a lie about yourself. 
because suddenly the measure is no longer God. Suddenly the measure is Susie, and Susie's got more going on than you do. See, Peter did the same thing, same exact thing. In Matthew 14, 26, again, on the backbone of the miraculous, Peter has this moment of comparing and believing a lie. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Let me stop right there before I finish that. You know how you can recognize you're believing a lie of yourself and you're more likely than not following that lie to a comparison mode is when fear is present. You suddenly feel fearful to showcase the gift that God gave you because so-and-so is so good. You suddenly feel fearful to share who you truly are because what if they reject you? Fear grips you. And once again, the lie of the enemy comes in and he says, hey, you're not good enough. You're not cool enough. You'll never have the giftings inside of you. You dream big. Stop dreaming big. You weren't created for the big. The lie of the enemy comes in. And let me tell you something. Let me set you all free in this moment right here. Every single individual in this world has that same lie because it's the same enemy. Every, hear me loud and clear. Who is the greatest singer that you know? Who is the greatest athlete you've ever seen? Who's the goat that you look up to? They have had that same dialogue with the enemy. And I don't know if you all go here uh, to Victory regularly, but I beg you, I beseech you to be here next Saturday evening or Sunday evening in the main sanctuary because I'm going to be speaking. And I'm going to bring a truth that literally rocked my life. And it's a truth that we must be aware of so that we can operate in who we truly are. So I want you to know you're not alone when you've questioned and asked, is my life worth living? I'm not valuable enough. They wouldn't even notice if I wasn't here. That's a lie. That's a lie. Does it declare that you're the head and not the tail? No, it says you're the tail and not the head. Does it declare that you are righteous and a co-heir with Christ Jesus? Or does it say you're being domineered over? You're being controlled? Does it say that you are a gift of God? Or does it say you're a pain? See, the Lord, the Lord God, 
is a divine, omnipresent, omnipotent force in our lives. The lie is the lie that's been there since the beginning. But we treat the enemy and those lies as if he's just the opposite of God. We treat the enemy as if he can call the shots. We treat the enemy and give him so much more power in our lives that he doesn't even have access to. He's not the opposite of God. He's not even omnipresent. So if he's with her, he can't be beside me. He is a created being and not even created like God, like you and I. He is a created being just like a cow on a pasture. You understand this. Yet we find ourselves distracted, full of fear, because the lie has spoken. And now our eyes are focused on our inadequacies instead of the goodness of God. Our lies, the lie is focused on our, our inability instead of who he's called me to be. See, Peter did the same thing in this moment. And in, his, in the boldness of faith, like we all feel in worship moments, right? You're declaring, no, fear doesn't have a hold on me. When you're in this space, you feel powerful and strong. That's what worship was created to do. It was to build you up, to edify you, to strengthen you, to equip you, to give you a clear reminder of who you are and whose you are. And so you feel strong in this moment, but you leave from here and you go back to your schools and you're faced with the lies of the enemy day in and day out, the dialogue happening here and those around you. And now your inadequacies are blaring and the only tree you see, you can't see the forest anymore. Fear grabs a hold just like it does with Peter. Peter coming out of a phenomenal worship moment like this, he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. How many know that song? I'll walk on water, right? Call me out where the water's, who knows that? Oceans, that's it. Right? Awesome song. And we say it all the time. We're like, God, take me. Take me, God, where my feet cannot wander. Take me, Lord. He's like, I'm just trying to take you to your Bible every night. Oh. Oh, Jesus, take me, Lord. I want a faith without walls, Jesus. Please, God, give me a faith that will take me to the mission fields of Cambodia. He's like, baby, I'm just asking you to give me your relationships. God, I want to see the miraculous. Show me signs, wonders, miracles. Signs, wonders. Do you remember that song? It's popular about 10 years ago. You guys were like, I was still in kids' church, Noah. Right? Anyway, show me signs, wonders, and miracles. And Jesus is like, yes, because that is so simple for me. But baby, how much more do I care about the eternal? But yet, all it takes for you to receive the eternal is the one ask. And you still haven't asked it. See, here's Peter. He says, call me. And so Jesus says, come. That's the natural. That's easy. Peter came out of the boat. 
He walked on the water to go to Jesus. Sorry, I'm checking my time, guys. I don't want to go over on you. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, when he took a look around and examined his circumstances, when he took a look around and realized the family he was in, when he took a look around and realized it wasn't peaches and cream and everything good and sweet, when he took a look around and looked at himself, he suddenly became full of fear. Isn't it wild that we feel that this right here, our skin, this is more concrete than the spirit life? But it's this that pulls us from the spirit life, that pulls us from a focus on who God is and the goodness and the might of his strength. So he looks and sees that the wind is boisterous, and he was what? He was afraid. Fear comes for us all. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. Sometimes we become so distracted and so embodied in fear that the lie consumes us and our circumstances get elevated above God. Do you know why it's significant we call him Lord of our life? Because to lord over means he has all power and authority. We've given it to him. We've subjected our life and the way we make our decisions to the one who knows it all. But many times what happens when we get distracted from who he is and who we are in him, we allow those circumstances to come up, that fear to reign over us. And for it to call our shots. That's exactly what happened with Peter. Don't focus on your inadequacies. And when your mind goes there because the lie is present in us all. Remind yourself of who you are. See, that's why it's significant that Jesus says we must become born again. All of that language is so vital. Because when we become born again, we become a new creation. In other words, we become back to what we were originally intended for, which was in the likeness of God. We become joint heirs with Christ. I know all of this seems like theology and, 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 and kind of doesn't connect at times for us. But you have to realize there is a rhyme and a reason for every word in this Bible. And if you can get it and make that the focus of your life instead of the lies and the circumstances around you, you will reign with him. The third place we get distracted and the last place if the worship team wants to come. We get distracted by the future. We get distracted by the future. See, it's amazing because the disciples were in the same place. Before Jesus was executed, before he found death, the disciples were around so much. I mean, so many miracles watching 
A little boy's lunch feed multitudes. Y'all, if I came in here with a turkey sandwich and said, spread it out among y'all, it'll be enough to suffice you for tonight. You'd say, girl, that girl crazy. Like, go home. You know what I mean? But these are the guys who are with him when they watch that multiplication happen. You may have had God in such powerful moments in your life reveal just how good and capable he is. But it's the first thing that we do is forget because we get distracted by what's to come. See, we get so focused on, well, when I graduate then. Well, when I get in a relationship then. Well, when I get married then. We get so caught up in the future that we forget that God gave us a present right now. We get so caught up in the future of what it looks like when I'm doing X, Y, and Z that we fail to realize we are literally in the midst of angels. Your presence is not by happenstance. Your presence on this earth here and now is not an accident, even if it's been spoken over you. Your parents may have played a part in you being here, but it was by the divine order of God that you came forth. When we get distracted on the future, it leaves us in moments when we could be present with Christ walking away and drowning in our circumstances. See, the disciples, before Christ's execution, that's what I was beginning to say before, they were so consumed with all these amazing miracles, and it was so powerful, that then they were like, yo, when he goes to heaven, like, am I sitting on his right, or are you? I'm, de- I'm definitely the most loved. I'm sitting to his right. You're going to have to be on his left, or honey, you're going to be back in the back sands, Right? That's literally the conversation that they're having about Jesus. Like he cared about any of that, right? They have this conversation, and because they're so wrapped up in missing the point of the now moment, then when they come to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is crying out and praying, God, if this cup can pass, let it pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. In that moment when Christ knew what was to come, he went back three times to his disciples. He said, can you pray with me? Just, can you pray with me just an hour? Just an hour. He goes back, he prays. He thinks, I, I need the strength of those guys. They know who I am. Can And he finds him asleep. Can't you wake? Wake up. Wake up. Pray with me. Don't you see the significance of the hour that we're in? Do you not see it? Please pray with me. And he goes back and he prays. And he comes back and they're asleep. See, when we live our lives so distracted on the wrong things, we won't show up for the moments that matter most. You are living in a day and an hour in which we need. It says in Romans 8, it says all of the earth 
yearns in eager anticipation of the revealing of the sons of God. That's you. Earth is literally groaning for you as sons and daughters to walk undistracted in the goodness of who he is and showing that light around you. Not apologizing for who you are, but being confident, full of Christ, that you are exactly who he made you. And because of that, you will fulfill the goodness of God in the land of the living. You must recognize distractions are the tools of the adversary. Where is your focus? Where is your heart? Because I'm telling you, if there was ever an hour that our nation and our world needed young people full of energy and vision, vivacious and unafraid, it is now. Look at some of the singers who have recently risen up. Look at the song lyrics that they are singing It'll take you about a half a second to realize the world needs to know the love of a father. And that time is now. I can't wait, young people. The world cannot wait for you to just, when you become a senior. The world cannot wait until you step into your career for you to awaken as that which who you are already. The world needs you now. Stand with me. Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, but he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Teenagers, If there was ever a moment I could convey to you in your life, we must go and call our friends and the world around us to awaken to the light of Christ, to awaken to the goodness of God, to come out of death like Lazarus would in passages later, to come and arise from death into life, to come and arise from the lie that tells them their life is not worth living. That they may know they are a son and a daughter of God, every breath intentional by the one who created the universe. You are a vital part of making sure the goodness of God is experienced in the land of the living. Every eye closed and every head bowed. As the worship team plays, I just want you all to process and to ask yourself, what are the distractions? Am I being distracted by others? Am I being distracted by the future? Am I being distracted by the lie that is speaking to me and that which points to my inadequacies? What am I being distracted by? 
And as you ask that question and it is ripe and in front of you, I invite you to invite him to speak the truth.